Are you ready? This is the Naughty Strawberry. Let's get weird. Aloha and welcome to the Naughty Strawberry. I'm Brittany and I'm Jackie. Why are we so happy? <laughs> um, so before we go in, we're gonna go right in because you know we were so nervous for this, and now we're now we're we're cool as cucumbers because we're uh, doing this afterwards. But Jackie has a PSA that she wants to announce to the world today. Oh, you make it sound like it's some dramatic declaration. No, it's just um, we don't really, we haven't done a podcast topic on it because we are waiting for a nurse or a doctor or somebody to agree to come podcast with us. But since that has not happened yet, Jackie feels this needs to be. <laughs> um, there's just been a lot of stuff happening lately. Like um, I've, I, I always throw out randomly if we're talking about like having a lot of sex, just have safe sex. And um, there was that post that I sent you that made me chuckle a little bit. That was like, don't lie to your doctors about hoeing. Like your doctors are going to help you hoe. Um, And uh, Femme Forth, who we had, uh, Jaylene, who we had on the podcast a couple episodes ago, she just did a blog post about um, like the stigmas behind STIs and and HIV. And uh, so the topic of like, you know, safe sex has been coming up a lot and um, in my personal life as well because uh, I'm due to get tested. And uh, so, like, you should be getting, if you're having sex, even if you think that you're having safe sex, you should be getting regularly tested about every six months. The place that I go to even sends me fun little reminders that says, like, hey, it's time for you to get tested. Um, because if you're going to be out in the world doing intimate things and that's the truth is that it is intimate whether or not it's casual um then you need to be careful about it and you need to be safe about it and asking someone to get tested is not an unreasonable request and uh you shouldn't be afraid to do it so thank you Jacqueline (laughs) um (laughs) we could always go I mean I don't have a ton of things to talk about um we really don't have anything to talk about um, we, I said we were really nervous for this podcast and the title probably will tell you why I'm sure we'll pick a title that's inclusive of that. But, um, I did post something the other day, a story that said, if we're going to be inclusive, then we have to be inclusive. inclusive. And that is just to any educator, anybody out there who is talking on a big, big, sorry, big platform. And especially we say sex positive, um, today, actually it's sex positive um, <laughs> because we are interviewing um, author public figure Rob uh, Kowalski and he authored a book called uh, Why Waiting Works. I feel like we should just leave it at that and let them listen <laughs> further listen. at their own risk. Uh, so that's basically all I'm going to say about it but I also do want to say that if you are someone that subscribes to the school of thought that clearly Jacqueline and I subscribe mm-hmm. to um, you could benefit still from this podcast and I do highly recommend, um, especially, uh, like he, he would probably tell me to say this if you're single, um, especially to listen to this and whatever you take from it could benefit you, whether you take everything from it or you just take little bits from it. Um, yeah, I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised by the content in this podcast so if that's saying anything i would urge you to take a listen all right so today we have on the line our guest rob hello rob hi rob hey how's it going (laughs) it's going um and where are you right now 
I'm in Baltimore, Maryland. Baltimore, Maryland. Awesome. Look at that. We're getting people from all over the globe for you. <laughs> um, so uh, without further ado, we would like you to go into your story, uh, your history a little bit and tell us why you're here today and what you want to talk about. Awesome. So uh, I like to refer to myself as a reform bad boy. I, uh, you know, used to be a big man whore. I was a, a stripper and a nightclub promoter, the biggest, the biggest of both of those in my, uh, in, in my hometown. And uh, when I was 27 years old, I had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ and did this big 180, went from being like the most promiscuous person I know to being abstinent for the next six years. I um, kind of fell back into my life, uh, my old, my former ways, my life of sin, and um, made a bunch of mistakes, rededicated it. For the most part, I've been abstinent now for another six plus years. And somewhere along the way, I went from not understanding the value of um, premar- uh, not having premarital sex or not, not having casual sex even to being really to really understanding the value in it, the concept, and being able to explain it possibly better than anyone on earth, I think. I really I have the number one video in the world on YouTube right now waiting to have sex. It's got like uh, one point two million views or something. And I just break it down really practically in a like I, anyone else I've ever heard talk about the subject comes from it like from a really spiritual, you know, you're you're sinning, you're you're breaking a commandment, whatever crap. And that doesn't resonate with people, but I really uh, understand the practicality of it, and as hard as it is to not, it's equally beneficial if you if you do it. And uh, I'm, so I'm passionate about sharing it with people. I also started a nonprofit in Baltimore called City Fam, so I love talking about it. But uh, yeah, that's why I'm here. We're, we're here to talk about sex. Girl, that's what this <laughs> podcast um, is about. So. so you said at 27 you had that, and how old are you now? I'm 46. So 46. it was a minute ago. Yeah, <laughs> a minute, <laughs> just a minute. <laughs> Been a while. <laughs> uh, all right. So, and you said your nonprofit. Does that revolve around like anything to do with um, abstinence? Yeah. No. No. Okay. No. It's, it's, it's not faith. It's not faith based. Yeah. That would. That would be. It would be. It's a very small nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> We're really trying to get people. No. Uh, it, it, it doesn't. Uh, no. It's really more about doing life together, like just community and how that has the power to change people's lives when they're in healthy community and they have things to do and people to do it with. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, I do think that there's a natural tie in with, uh, um, you know, when you have casual sex, it burns a relationship for the most part. Cause when you're having sex without commitment, someone catches feelings. And then when you decide, Hey, I don't want to have sex with you anymore. I now want to have sex with you. That person is now not your friend. So you, you will, if you do that enough times, you eventually don't have a lot of good friends. Trust me. I speak from experience. (laughs) Okay. Well, so on that note, like you obviously know that we're a podcast about sex and we talk a lot about premarital sex. That's all we're doing. (laughs) Um, so what is, what do you think your goal for this podcast is like ultimately at the end of this podcast, what do you hope to attain? Well, hopefully everyone that's listened is entertained, but I definitely think that they're going to, it's going to make them think. Because again, when I so I started out when I was 27 on this this uh, you know abstinence kick, and honestly, I had no idea that it was going to turn into this. I got you know I, I I had this radical experience where all of a sudden I was I, I was like okay aware of God's presence, and you know and through through signs and things that He told me, He basically was like, look, I got a girl, a soulmate for you, and I'll bring her to you if you wait. So for selfish reasons. 
I said, okay, I'll wait, but you better hurry because, you know, I can't <laughs> wait for long. Seriously, this is, this is the conversation I remember having with God. I prayed. I'm like, you better hurry because I can't wait long. I mean, I was used to having so, so I have, I've had sex with hundreds of women. So I waited and it turned into six years. And, and, and I, you know, and it was, it was the loneliest. It was terrible, to be honest. I'm, I'm, it was, I felt like an alien in the world. I don't relate to religious people. I'm not a religious person. I went to church on Sundays because I was trying to learn about God. But outside of that Sunday, I didn't know what to do with myself or who to do it with. And I was, I was just hanging on to this promise because I'd never been in love. I wanted, to, I wanted to experience that. And I also know that by being a Christian, I was pretty much signing up for only having sex with one woman for the rest of my life. So I'm like, okay, if that if that's what I'm signing up for, I want to make sure that it's someone I'm in love with because I don't want to get myself into these, you know, bullshit relationships like I've had in the past where, you know, after a couple of weeks, I'm looking over my shoulder at the next girl wondering if she can make me happier. So I, I it turned into six years. Like I said, I, I backslid is what they call it in Christianese where I just kind of, you know, gave myself a little too much freedom, got caught up in the world, you know, made a bunch of mistakes after that, rededicated my life in 2011 got sober a few months later and now outside I actually have to always say this outside of one mistake I made three and a half years ago with a girl a girlfriend I, I just you know slipped up um, I've been abstinent for six and a half years somewhere along the line I really figured it all out and I can explain it to people and I'm not saying that you know anyone out there will even do it because it's so <laughs> freaking hard to do but I do think that people are more prone to do something if they know why it works. Okay. And that's the name of the, that's the name of the book I wrote called why waiting works. And, um, and again, I can break it down. Like nobody's going to go to the gym or let's say no one's going to do CrossFit unless you know, there's a payoff, you know what I mean? Cause it's really fucking hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've done it now. I know that if I do CrossFit for long enough, I'm going to have a six pack and I'm going to look great. But I didn't even understand the concept of waiting when I started. So why in the hell would I, would I not have casual or even casual sex because it's fun, you know? But then when you start to understand, oh, this is how that plays out. Oh, this is why, you know, 50% of marriages end in divorce and the, the other 50 and 50 that stay together aren't even having sex after four years. And then everyone's saying the sex stops after you get married. Well, this is why. And I can tell you, and I can tell you why people, you know, don't reach their full potential in life because they don't cultivate the relationships, the community, the healthy community to push them into their purpose. Because when you're having, when you're not committed to the standard, then you don't really necessarily need friends. Like I'm not saying you don't want friends, but you don't need good friends. Like when I committed to abstinence, I needed friends, like good platonic friends. Like I needed air because if, if not, I could just bounce from girl to girl. That was easy. I would just go to the bar, pick up the next one. This one didn't work out. On to the next one. I never cultivated. I had a bunch of good time Charlies as friends, a bunch of people I partied with. But when the shit hit the fan in my life, which ha you know, which is going to happen to all of us, guess who was around? No one, because mm -hmm. they were just people I partied with. They weren't people that were there, ride or die, when I needed when when it wasn't fun anymore. And and when you when you can't when you don't have sex. Before marriage, you will cultivate that community. You'll have to add value to other people's lives, and that, and they'll add value to yours because now you can't just hop from person to person anymore. So it's really outside of my decision to follow Jesus. It's been the best decision I've ever made. It's also been the hardest fucking thing I've ever done outside. I mean, all, it's the hardest thing. It's I still struggle with it. Okay, you so know, so currently, all this time. 
So currently you're abstaining because you're you're not married, right? <clears throat> I want to be obedient to God, but I also believe that it's the best strategy for finding love, which to me equates to long-term happiness. But you're not married, so that that right? No. Okay, so yes. that's my that's my question now is <laughs> it's going to get a little little heated up in here. But he um, said he likes debate. Yes. Okay. <laughs> to preface oh, yeah, He yeah, wants yeah. debate. Okay. So you say like, you know, when you go to the gym, you you willing to put in the work because you know there's going to be the result. But here you are essentially 12 years later and you don't have the result. So how do you know the result is coming? It has. It ha now, here's the thing. Just this is what and I get that question a lot. They're like, well, how, my friends say, well, what if there isn't a payoff? And I'm like, there already has been. Number one, I know exactly my, I know my purpose in life. I started a nonprofit that I think has the power to change the world. I wrote a book. I got the number one video on YouTube on waiting to have sex. Like it's forced me to become the best version of myself. Like I'm, I'm so much better of a friend, a son, you know, a member of community. I was a shit bag before I got arrested a bunch of times. I used drugs. I drank a lot. I womanized like it's forced me to become this best version of myself. And when God, or, or maybe you say the universe brings me that girl, I'm going to be a much better husband and, you know, because of it. But I always like to say, look at Charlie Sheen. He's the punchline. You know what I mean? He had lots of sex. He had lots of fun. Is, is he happy now? Is he the best version of himself? You know, he's the shell of himself. And that was probably going to be my story, you know, or something very similar to that. So, you know, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. That's what the Bible says. It's painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are trained by it. Most people just don't want to go through the pain because it sucks. You know, it's any any saving money for a house sucks. Getting an education sucks. Like I, I challenge people name one thing where instant gratification produces long term happiness. Think of anything. There isn't one thing in the whole world. Why do we hmm. think sex is going to be? <laughs> it, I mean, it produces instant gratification. Uh, yes, it's fun. I'd like to go out and. I'd like to go fuck fuck somebody tonight. I mean, honestly, excuse my language, but I'm serious. It's pleasurable. You can but use I, whatever I, language here you want. But does but does instant gratification require long term happiness? Sometimes it's just instant gratification. I, I hear you, but there isn't it. There always a payoff for instant gratification. Not. I mean, you if have you have a payoff at that time, but it's like when okay. So like for example, food. Like I love me some food. <laughs> I know, but listen, I, I hear you, but. But don't don't you think those calories are going on your hips? Well, that's what I'm there's saying a, is like if I'm if I'm later. okay if I'm okay with the way that I am, then hey, it's yeah. just instant gratification. It means nothing 100%. else. Hundred percent. Like I said when I started this, doesn't mean anybody's going to do it. Just like people, <laughs> they, they know they're going to know CrossFit's good for you know going to make me lean, and I'm going to you know I, I could eat vegetables and you know protein and probably look great on the beach and they're, they're just not going to do it because they don't want to suffer in the meantime so look yeah have all the instant gratification but just when your life isn't working out when you don't have good friends when you're depressed you didn't find love you didn't find your purpose just realize that you had you know you traded it for something and be okay with it i'm just i'm just letting people know that this is why it happens so you're saying that in the long Doesn't run mean you have to do it so in the long run, yeah. if, if, if you don't end up ever getting married, you're okay with it because you became a better person. I'll, I'll die. I'll die like this if I have to, because I, I wouldn't at this point, at least, you know, I wouldn't want the, the like, I wouldn't want to go to my, I wouldn't want to settle and then say, what if, you know what I mean? At least if, if I didn't get married, you know, and fall in love and 
I, I would be okay with it only because I knew that I gave everything that I had. You know what I mean? And, and here's the thing. At the end of the day, I touch a lot of people. I get a lot of messages from people that are like, you know, it's someone that can explain to them for maybe the first time why things haven't been working out in their relationships and sometimes just in their life. And that to me is very gratifying, you know, like, yeah, of course, I, I miss the pleasure of sex terribly. You know, I, I again, I, I'm hoping that I meet a girl and and I have more of it than everybody listening to this. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I honestly I believe I believe that when you don't wait, you end up having less sex in the long term than the person that exercises self-restraint on the front end. And I'll tell you why I say that, because you meet someone and when you lead with physical attraction, which I, I this is what I used to do. I was the king of the one night stand. I would see a girl that was hot. I'd sleep with her as quick as I could because I'm a man and that's what we do. And then even if I wasn't – I wasn't looking for a relationship. I wanted more sex with whatever. But inadvertently, I would have sex with that girl. It would be a Monday and she'd be like, hey, I made some dinner. Do you want me to come over and we can get a movie? Sure. I'm not doing anything tonight. And that would happen a few you know, a few more times. And then and what happens – and the Bible talks about this is you get a soul tie, which is really just biology. It's oxytocin. It makes you connect. And then all of a sudden you get connected to somebody and you really didn't know who they were that much because you just thought they were hot. You just saw the shell of a person and you're like, ooh. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're stuck together. You're wondering, you know, maybe if you could be happier with somebody else, but you can't seem to break up with that person. And then for whatever reason, you guys get married and then sex stops after you get married, which is what happens all the time to people because, well, no shit. I sell tell people you did it in the wrong order. You had sex first. You got connected before you really knew them. And then now, like, and this is a scenario that I, I tell people has happened to all of us a thousand times. We're all, we're all physically charged up, you know, and this has happened to both of you where you meet somebody and you're like, Ooh, man, they're good looking. And then for whatever reason, you, a couple weeks go by and then you start looking at them different. You're like, yeah, they're nice looking, but not for me. Because at that point you broke through the surface. But what happens is, especially when you get on these dating apps, you go on a date with somebody, you're like, oh, they're hot. You sleep together on the first, second, maybe third date. Third is the average, by the way, in the United States. And then all of a sudden, the next time they come over, they're looking at their phone and you're thinking, who the fuck are they texting? You start feeling a little jealous of them because you slept with them and now they feel like you're theirs and you don't even know who they were. you know. And that's how people get stuck with the wrong people all the time. I have, oh, wait, I have two questions. I have two <laughs> questions. Okay, um, so one though... Say you sleep with somebody and then you're saying, you know, you're sorry, you're, you're tied to them and you don't even know them. So then you get married down the line, whatever you have problems. Well, isn't that also the fault of the, of the individual who isn't really seeking further knowledge of that person besides a physical connection? Hold on. Ask the question again one more time. So like, so someone goes and they sleep with somebody they think is hot and then they get that bond and they're, they, they keep seeing them and they're not really sure why. But that's also kind of at the fault of that person for not delving deeper into that person as an individual and really getting to know them before they. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then. Oh, oh yes. It's definitely our fault. I mean, yeah, it, it pays the weight. All the studies show that the longer that you wait, the longer the relationship lasts. I mean, and the physical attraction will fade beautiful women. I, there was one girl I talk about in the book. She was my physical ideal. I literally would look at her and I'm like, there is nothing I would change about this girl. Like from the length of her eyelashes to the size of her lips, her hips, or her legs, everything about her. And I still didn't want to have sex with her. 
I still wanted to go roll over and go to sleep every night because when you're not connected on a deep level, one of you will always lose physical attraction for the other person. It, that's, that's, and that takes time to figure out. And if you sleep with people quickly, the chances are you're going to get hemmed up with, with somebody along the way to finding your right person. And then you're going to miss out you know, on not only that right person and, and potentially what you know, deep love, but also if, the, if, if you believe what I believe, which is that a person you know, was created as a helpmate to help you accomplish your purpose in life and you theirs – if they're, if they're going this place and you're going this place, you guys are never going to get there because that person was supposed to help you get to your place and you were supposed to help them get to their place. But if they were created to go somewhere else and you were created to go to a completely different place, you're never going to accomplish your purpose, which means you're never going to experience deep fulfillment. So like I have deep fulfillment now, even though I'm single and sex free, I have deep fulfillment, but I do miss sex. I'll be honest. Like it is not easy. Uh, my, well, my second question is, do you date now at all? Are you like... Do you go on dates? Do you have girlfriends? And then if you have girlfriends for extended period of time, then what are your ways to go about navigating this? Um, How how has it worked in girlfriends you've had? So I was a serial dater before, for sure. Like, it didn't take much for me to go out with a girl on a date because I knew that we were going to be having sex sooner or later, probably sooner. So all I needed was physical attraction, right? That's all I needed was to look at a girl. Yeah, she's hot. We'll go out. So now that I'm I'm committed to not having sex before marriage, like I would die if I had it. That's the that's my stance on it. So I don't go on dates that easily because I need I need so much more than physical attraction because I know again the physical attraction is going to fade. So I need to I need to see something more. So my strategy, and not to say it's the only right strategy is I keep girls in the friend zone or they keep me in the friend zone for, you know, an exam. And then if I see something like from a girl that I would be like, wow, this person's amazing. And, you know, and then I would take another step and ask them out. But in, in all honesty, in seven years, I've been on like, I've date, I've been on a, I've only dated one girl in seven years. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it really narrows the field, which in my opinion is what, raises your chances of finding the right person because now you have a standard and a lot i say this to women especially if there are any women listening to this that you know they might that are considering making this this decision a lot of them won't do it because the first thing that pops into your mind is fear you're like who would wait i can't do that because no man would wait to have sex with me and i always tell them it's going to repel the wrong guy and it's going to attract the right guy if you would have told me in my former life that you were waiting to have sex, I would, you would have scared me. You would have scared me away. I would not have stayed around because I relationship, nor was I good boyfriend or husband material. If a girl told me that now she would attract me because I'd be like, wow, there's a fucking unicorn. Like, cause nobody waits anymore. And that would make me lean in. You know what I mean? It would intrigue me. So I tell girls, don't let fear stop you. It, you, you probably will be single longer. You're going to have to go through a bunch of duds. But it's going to help you attract that right guy a lot faster because a guy that's really looking for a relationship will will appreciate that. Okay, so I did read the book and I'm going to bring up what you just talked about because a lot in the book I felt like you put a lot on the woman. Um, I'll tell you why I did that. Okay, go ahead. ahead. Well, this is what I tell people. I'm not uh, a male chauvinist. But if, if the government was giving out free money to people in the ghetto and that they were taking it and they were fucking it up for everybody because the money, you know, 
you who would you go to? Would you go to the people in the ghetto and say, hey, stop taking the free money? No, you go to the government and say, stop giving out the free money. That's what I'm telling women. You are the you have the power. You have it. <laughs> Men are too stupid. They're never going to turn it down. <laughs> hey, that was we a are. better that was a better response we, than I expected. <laughs> but okay. We so. are. We're too stupid. <laughs> <laughs> we, men know, listen, we know by our very nature that it's supposed to cost us something. That's why, you know, it's so hard. I mean, that's why when what gay guys are gonna say, wait. Two gay guys together, there very rarely is one guy gonna say, Hey, we should wait. No, <laughs> they don't. The girls are always the one making guys wait because Girls want security in general. Listen, at a very base level, women want security and men want sex. So if women are giving sex and we don't even have to give the security in exchange, hell yeah, we take it. Now, if you tell a guy, hey, and this is why I say it's, it really helps you find the right person because when you take when you say, look, the Bible says the heart's deceitful above all things. So I know that my heart will convince me or at least has the potential of convincing me of things that aren't true. So that I give my body what it wants. I could say to you right now, Brittany, hey, I love you. Let's have sex. And you say, I love you too, Rob. Let's just run down to the justice of the peace real quick and get married. I'd be like, mm, let me think about this a little bit longer. <laughs> That's a different conversation. Because I know that by giving you that security, if I'm wrong, it's going to cause me pain. Because now I can't have sex with other girls. You might take half my shit. <laughs> Whatever else, you know what I mean? It's it it's gonna cause me pain. So I force I force my heart to I force myself to evaluate my heart to see if it's telling me the truth. And if I was convinced, you know, then I would. This is why I've dated so little in the last seven years. I've met a lot of pretty girls, and I I look at them and I'm like, you know, I'd like to have sex with them. I would, and I think to myself, would you sign the marriage contract to have sex with them? And I go, no, I wouldn't. One day there's going to be a girl that comes into my life and I'm going to look at her and I'm going to be like, yeah, I would. And I'm going to be real happy to. Okay. So on, on that note, what if you didn't believe in marriage? What if marriage was not a fundamental institution that you felt like was required? I love, I, listen, I understand why people don't believe in marriage. They've seen so many people do it wrong that who, who the fuck would want any part of that? They don't get hung up on the word marriage is what I tell people. This is I, I ask you the question, how would you like to find your best friend that you to long term to help you fulfill your purpose in life? Would you like that? And you're like, fuck, yeah, I'd like that. Who wouldn't like that? Well, waiting to have sex until you get married is the way to do it. Don't get hung up on the word marriage. You've just seen a bunch of people do it wrong. The way that God says it in the Bible, it says wait to have sex before marriage. Do you think he's trying to spoil our fun? I don't think so. I think he wants us to have more fun and he reason and he's just smarter than us. And he told us to do it the right way. I don't want to wait. Nobody, I hate waiting. You know, I hate, I'm impatient as shit. I hate waiting for anything, but it's the right way. You perked up. You had, a I did, I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because, well, for example, you know, say you had someone that came, that came to you and said that they, they didn't agree in marriage. They did want to find the lifelong best friend, partner, whatever, whatever. But they just didn't agree with the uh, construct of you have to go get legally married, et cetera, et cetera. So what what would you say to them? It's the same. Hey, look, it's again, it's not a matter. OK, this. Well, so but then we when are they this, when okay? are they waiting until You're, then? In, 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 
in the Bible, sex was marriage. If you had sex okay. with a, 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 if you were a man and you have sex with a woman, she was your wife. It didn't matter if it was a legal piece of paper. It just meant that you're not going to get out of this so easy. Right, right, right. That's all it meant. Now, if, if I was to say to somebody, hey, you don't get married. Okay, look, you can have sex with my sister, but if you decide that you don't want to take care of her anymore, I'm going to shoot you. Okay, <laughs> whatever. Same thing. No problem. We don't need to have to get married. You know, it, as long as you know that it's going to cause you pain to get out of this, then that's what you need to know. Marriage is just the, 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 the you know, accepted standard that we use but in the bible it was you have sex she's yours you take care of her now i know that things have changed and women don't need people to take care of them anymore but there's still that same thing like guys we'll hop from woman to woman with no commitment if you let us because commitment means responsibility you know and if, if you're going to give it to us and we ain't got to be responsible but listen that's a very dangerous situation for a woman because women and men fall in love completely different there's a great ted talk by dawn masler out there and when, so when a woman has sex, she releases oxytocin when she orgasms. Men don't release oxytocin until we commit. So that's why guys can hit it and quit it a lot easier than women. That's why women get clingy after sex. It's biology. So a woman that has sex, she's giving her power away to a guy, and you don't even know what his – or, hey, I want to be with you. But if he will sign the contract, if he'll sign that marriage contract, then you know he's probably telling the truth. Words mean nothing. Talk is cheap. And men will say and do just about anything to get in a woman's pants. So so how do you counsel men then who have this, you know, similar problem like you do? You wanted to do this and you know it's hard. Uh, you're saying being a male, you'll do all these things if, if you are allowed to do them. So what is your right. advice to men then as opposed to women in situations like this when they're trying to find their lifelong partner and trying to go your route? Yeah. Well, I think it's a selfish move for anybody. It's, it's a lot harder for a man because our sex drive, you know, is it's different than a woman's women, women want sex for different reasons. You know, See, I, had, I had a, I think women want sex because they want intimacy. But this is what a friend of mine, Stefan Lebossier, he proposed to a group, and I thought it was a perfect analogy. If you ask 100 women and you ask 100 men, first you ask 100 women, you said, look, there's two doors. In this one door is sex, all the sex you could ever want with all the different people and blah, blah, blah. And in this other room was all the conversation and cuddling, and, and he named all these things, everything except sex. He's like, the majority of women are going to choose that second door. Now, if you ask the, the men, the majority of the men are going to choose door number one. And that's just the way it is. You know what I mean? Women like, want to be held and they want to cuddle. And, and, and look, guys want that too because it leads to sex. But we're different. We are not the same. I think you're stereotyping a little bit. Like, I think that it's, it's not as... I don't think that's true. <laughs> um, because you don't think the majority of women would choose door number two. No, I think because I think because typically we're, pre we're preconditioned. Past. Yeah, in the past, and also still because we're preconditioned to think that women are supposed to have this certain way of life and men are supposed to have this certain way of life. But I think that in reality, women are just as sex crazed and driven by sex as men are. It's just, and I think that when you, I think. You had this life of party and fun and sex, and then you got to a point where you realized you wanted more. I've been in that situation. I was perfectly fine having casual sex, and now I kind of want more. But it just means that you get to a point where you grow up and you realize that, like, there's more there's more going on. Everyone hits that point at some point. They just hit that point at different times. I don't think that it's women always want love and romance and relationships, and women always want to cuddle, and women always want... Like, that's not, that's not accurate. <laughs> 
I didn't say always. I said the majority. But even if you just break it down from biology, again, I'll challenge you guys to go watch that TED Talk by Dr. Don Masler, How Your Brain Falls in Love. Men and women fall in love completely different. You know, so there's definitely an emotional response that takes place during orgasm for a woman. I know from personal experience, I would have sex and when I climbed door, any feeling I had shot out the end of my dick, as terrible as that sounds. <laughs> Seriously. And, I, 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 and, if it's, and if you watch the video, she explains it because when men climax, they get a, they get a, um, a release of something called vasopressin. Women get a release of oxytocin. So it makes men go the other way. It makes us want to, you know, and that's just why guys will ghost women when they have sex with them. They seem into them. They give them the sex, hoping that they'll like it enough maybe to commit. And then the guys ghost because they got what they really wanted. And maybe maybe they didn't even know that that's why they are. Maybe they really thought, I like this girl a lot. I really do love her. So when they said it, they weren't lying. That's the worst part I tell people was, as men, we'll say things and we'll mean it when we say it. But at the end of the day, is it backed up by action? That's all that matters. Because, again, if you ask me, hey, let's just run down to the justice of the peace real quick, it's going to change the conversation. Okay, and then my next order of business. Wait, wait, but oh, go ahead. what Same is what, no, no, wait. <laughs> but what is the answer then um, for how Sorry. for for how guys go about doing this hard feat? Uh, oh, so I wanted to say it was a selfish decision because at, at the end of the day, like I do think men want sex at our bait at, at our core, and if you, I feel like men just need to be educated on the fact that look, if you wait, you will have more sex in the long run because if you don't. There's a good chance that you're going to get connected to the wrong person and the sex is going to stop after you get married because there's a lot of evidence to show you, show you that's what happens. But if you wait, you pump the brakes and you, you use this test, you use marriage as the test to evaluate your heart to see if it's telling you the truth and then you choose the right person, then the sex starts when you get married. And not only that, you've picked the right person. You know what I mean? And you end up having a lot more sex over the next years, you know? I don't know about you, but I want the sex to start when I get married, not stop. You know, I'm hoping that my marriage isn't going to be short lived. Well, okay, so because then... that, that that sucks. Divorce, from what I hear, feels like death. I don't want to go through a divorce ever. Well, then this leads into into the next thing I want to talk about, which is, you know, you have this benefit of this past that you ex- you've experienced these things, and like, so you said you've had sex with hundreds of women. So true, right? That it, you know, some people. You have really good sex with and some people the sex is not so great right absolutely so what happens if you do all this waiting and you find your soulmate and you guys are best friends and everything Ooh. is wonderful you know what but then you have sex and the sex is just fucking terrible then how do you go forward from there awesome question i get it all the time so number one comparison is the thief of joy okay so the more people you have sex with the probably less joy you're gonna have from the person the person that you ultimately fall in love when you have sex with them because you're going to be comparing them to all the other Well, let's say for this purpose is I've never had sex before. And I waited, Great. I waited, and I awesome. got married, and the sex just fucking sucks. <laughs> it, first off, people with zero to one partners, when they get married, they have the highest uh, success rates in marriage, and they have the highest sexual satisf- satisfaction out there. People with 10 or more partners have the, lo- the, the highest divorce rates and the lowest sexual satisfaction. So there's something there. And you can, you can Google that study. And you can also go to whywaitingworks.com and look on the resources page. It's there as well. But I will say this. If you're having no sex, any amount of sex is going to be good sex, right? Because trust me, take it from me. I'm, I'm absent right now, so I'm going to be looking forward to having sex. Even if it's not as good as some of the best people I've had sex with, I'm still going to enjoy it, num- number one. But 
But you're aware. But wait, you're aware that sometimes you're just not sexually compatible with people, right? This is, so let me ask you this. Let's say you, you find somebody that you're you're in love with. You get married. You you, you, you take your vows and all that. And then the, the sex is good. And then they get hit by a car. They get paralyzed. Do you leave? Because then you're a shit bag. And your vows mean, <laughs> you're, and your and your vows mean nothing. Well, wait, I'm not, that's an extreme circumstance. <laughs> I'm going to actually shock you If your relationship is built on sex and something happens to that person where they can't have sex anymore, maybe they get sick, maybe they get cancer, I don't know, then what? So you're saying you, you your should your just power sucks. through a shitty sex life? No. It's probably not going to last. <laughs> wait. No. Go. So, in preparation. <laughs> if you love that person, though, if you love that person, you work through it. I'm actually, I am, I'm going to shock you. All right, go. I am in his camp a little bit. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why, because in preparation for this podcast, Uh Kyle and I, my husband, we were talking and he is not about this concept at all. Like he, (laughs) he was just like completely whatever. And so in preparation, I was forcing myself to play devil's advocate, right? So I was talking about this concept of waiting because his thing was, well, how do I know if it's good? And the same thing you're saying, basically. Well, my thing is, if you formed that bond with somebody so much so, then you are going to fix it and you're going to have the communication to do that. Like you're yes, not, you're not just going to give up love, on that person. With, it's going to be good. But we've talked about on this podcast before that sometimes no amount of communication can fix an incompatibility. Not, not fix the incompatibility, but look at the options to make that other person satisfied. It's a give and take. Like, no, I agree with that. But sometimes, like, if you're if healthy. you're not satisfied, tell me if I'm wrong on this. If you're not. Because this is part of why you say, like, the divorce has happened and stuff, is if you're not satisfied in the bedroom, you're going to look for it somewhere else, right? Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> but I do think, I, I think that healthy healthy relationships lead to healthy sex lives, not the other way around. I mean, I think that it helps, but I don't think that it could completely... But, but I also, I made this argument too, which is, um, you're dating this person, so... You can, it's not like he's saying he doesn't talk about compatibility things. So you can talk to them about what you like and what you, if there's a fundamental issue, like say, I like being a little, you know, I I do not like it. (laughs) Right. So if that person doesn't like that thing, we're not, we know we're not compatible. We've just talked about it. So it's not going to go any further. This podcast is taking a turn. I know you're, you're shocked (laughs) that I have this, uh, this stance, but I'm serious because he's not saying like, right. If you're going to date somebody that you're really considering marrying, aren't you going to talk about sexual compatibility? things exactly so he already knows if that person's going to be compatible yeah but theory and practice are two different things theory is important because it's fundamental things like say kyle had been like i'm a submissive i we're not compatible we know that off the bat but so we're not going to try to but if you guys were totally in love and then he told you that you don't think you don't think that would be a deal breaker we're going to talk about that in the process of falling in love with each other how how soon do you start talking about sex with someone um, you know, that's a good question. I, I, you know, I guess, I guess the moment that I decided that I was serious enough to consider them for marriage, I don't know, 
which means it it's a little it way down the line. Long. Here's the deal: when you're waiting, when you're waiting, I don't plan on dating forever. Like when I meet the girl, six months to a year max, as as long as I'll date. Why? Because if I know, I'm going to get married. You know, like because I want to have sex. And this is what happens all the time in relationships. You see guys, you know, they're dating girls for years, dragging their feet. Well, they're already getting what they want. They already got their sex. They're in no rush. They're not motivated. You know what I mean? I'm motivated. I'm going to date a girl six months to a year. So I could see myself a month, two months, probably having those conversations. You know, like, what do you like? What do, what do we see our life looking like? The deeper conversations, though, like, where do you want to, what do you want to do? Like, where do you want to spend your time? Would you like to be in the tropics three months of the year? And I like, I want to talk about those things and dream before I have sex with somebody and then find out, oh, shit, they see the world completely different than me. You know what I mean? Which is what, what's happened to me every other relationship in my life. <laughs> Are you still shocked that I have this viewpoint? Uh, no, I just, oh, um, okay. okay, so we're going to move on. Um, <laughs> can't handle it. Moving on. What are your, um, what are your boundaries? Like, uh, cause you do talk about that in the book as well. Um, yeah. what are your personal boundaries? Like how far do you just consider like penetration sex? Is it like oh, yeah. foreplay? What do you do when you're dating someone? Like, what are your limits? Uh, so right now my boundaries are up really far because of my past. Uh, you know, I, I went six years abstinent when I became a Christian, um, you know, and inadvertently screwed up, had sex with a girl. Once I lost that badge of pride, it became a lot easier to make mistakes. And I made a bunch of them after that. Like I said, I rededicated in 2011 and I went three and a half years abstinent and really then I was, I guess, because I was hanging out with a girlfriend at my house. We were watching a movie. We had never even kissed or held hands. I was attracted to her, and I could tell she was to me. But I thought, you know, I thought to myself, even if we make out, like, how bad is that? I could always stop it. And we started kissing, and I could not stop. And it almost cost me her friendship. I was, like, on leadership at my church. I was very outspoken about my beliefs on waiting. And it just devastated me because I was like, damn, here I, I made the same mistake. So the last three and a half years, I have not spent time alone with women outside of maybe in a car, but I will not have a girl at my house. I won't be at her house because for me, it, it's just like, I know. So when I, when I went the first six years and I made that mistake, my life, it was, it would get, it was like, it was like this foothold I gave darkness and slowly my life started spot and everything got out of control and for me i never want to go back to that place and i really feel like sex is my kryptonite so i just keep my boundaries up very far but it's fucking exhausting to do that because it was severe for social like I, last night I, I would have liked to probably have gone to just a girlfriend's house and watched the movie with her but i don't trust myself so i always have to do stuff in group settings or, you know, with guys or by myself. And it's like, after a while, that gets old, but it's extremely safe. So it just depends on how bad do you want it. You know, for me, I built this platform up now for myself with waiting. So, you know, obviously, from making a mistake in that department would be devastating to me. I'd have to tell everyone about it because I couldn't, I couldn't lie. So for me, those are the boundaries that I keep, but they're not easy. But then how do you feel like you can really get to know someone if you can't trust yourself to be alone with them? Yeah. Well, the thing is, is when I, so I guess that's a lie when I say I haven't spent time alone with a girl. So I, so I started dating the girl in October. It was the first girl I dated um, since, you know, being on this last six and a half year kick. 
And we dated for a couple months, and there were a couple times that we spent alone together. Once was on New Year's Eve. I had a little after party in my hotel room. I throw a big New Year's Eve event, and we made out a little bit. Actually, there was somebody in the next room, so I don't know if we were technically alone. And then another time, she was at my house, and we watched the movie on the couch. And you know, but other than that, it was. But there really wasn't any other times. So there was a couple of times that I let myself be alone, and I know that that when I and I was really considered so. When I do meet the person that I'm going to, you know, hopefully marry, of course, I'm going to have to spend some time alone with them. I do realize that I just haven't met that person uh, yet, I guess. So to for take me, it's not risk. worth the risk. Yeah, right. right it's right. not worth the risk. Exactly. Because okay. if I. Yes. All right. So uh, we, we're getting pretty that that actually went <laughs> a little bit smoother than that. I was I was really nervous. About we were this both podcast. really nervous. <laughs> Um, <laughs> this is not our arena, uh, but we we do really like you. You, your points and how you present them. We were, and we were also nervous because we're both not religious at all. And you, so. you come off. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, you come off a lot better in person than you do in the book. Because after Thank reading you. the book, I wasn't very sure I wanted to talk to you because the way you were presenting some of your ideas is like at the beginning you didn't start off super religious. It was more about your background and like you know. Yes, God was the reason you decided to take this path, but like you weren't harping on it. And then, like the further along in the book we got, it was like more quoting Bible verses and like really pushing it that like it was a sin. And I was like, oh God, no, <laughs> because if you don't, because that was the other thing we actually didn't talk. Did we talk no. about that? Is like if you don't believe in God, it's not technically a sin. So then, what's your reasoning for it's not doing practical. it? It's just practical. Right, right, right. You know, that's why I really, I tried to, in the 10 reasons video that I put up, I don't really talk about any, you know, reasons for religion, I don't think. Yeah, that was, that was going to be my question is that I would think that that video getting that many views would not really touch on a specific religious basis then if it was that popular. Yeah. Uh, To me, you know, I think all, 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 uh, you know, commandments or, rules that God gives us are practical. We just don't understand them. Again, I, sex was like a massage to me when I started this. I, if it feels good, do it. I couldn't understand why in the hell would anyone wait? I, I remember thinking like, why is this wrong? God, like, you know, and it was only in time that I started to figure it out based off my own mistakes, you know, like, Oh, now I understand. I start, you know, there are people listening to this, especially probably guys where you start thinking like, Maybe man, maybe people weren't made uh, made to be monogamous, you know, or you know, maybe that's not the kind of guy I am, or maybe I'm not the kind of person that can fall in love or be a one woman man. Because my pattern was always have sex quickly, get in, and inadvertently usually get into a relationship with the girl sooner, you know, with some someone would stick around and put up with my shit long enough that eventually they would grow on me. We'd get into a relationship, I would feel some kind of connection to the to the point where I didn't want someone else to have them. But I was also wanting other people, but I couldn't get rid of this person. And it was this. And then you start thinking, well, this maybe this is what they mean when they say relationships take work, you know, or or, and you start wondering, maybe it's me. And it's not. It was always how I started the relationships. And I just didn't understand it. So now I want people to understand. Don't doesn't mean they have to do it. But at least if they can understand like, oh, this is how it's probably going to work out. Maybe they'll make different decisions. I tell people this, even if someone listening to this isn't going to wait till marriage. Maybe they hear this and they just see some value in it and they wait one extra date and then they avoid a, they avoid a pregnancy or some or years of time wasted with that wrong person. To me, that's a win. 
It doesn't have to be waiting till marriage. Maybe they just wait a little longer. You know, but it's smart, you know, because it gives you time to evaluate and see because, you know, you a lot of times people are crazy. You don't know who that person is just because they, I can be I can be anybody for three dates. I can pretend to be anybody, you know, and then next thing you know, we're in something complicated and it's hard to get out of potentially for both of us. Okay, so then my final question isn't really related to sex. It's just kind of out of curiosity. <laughs> um, you you said like you don't really fit in with like you know religious crowds and that you only go to church out of like obligation. <laughs> but um, it no, seems, I love my church now. I do. It seems like the only reason, the only practices that you really put religion on is sex. I mean, because hmm. I, I mean you're sober now, but I assume that's because. You thought you had a problem and you were bettering yourself, right? Well, I, when I drink, I want to have sex. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so was, it wasn't like because God me. told me to stop drinking. Um, so yeah. like what what do you think was your was your turning point? Like, I mean, like in the book, you say when it happened. But like, what do you think yeah. was the cause of that? Like what made you suddenly be like, oh, shit, there's God and he's there and he's talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. So first off, I love my church. I go to a church in, Epic, in Baltimore named Epic, and it's great. It's like it's they call it church for the rest of us. So there's a lot of just not religious people there. A lot of people, you know, that I used to party with back in the days, and it's just really cool. It's not religious. It's you know, it's very cool. Um, and I, it's to me, it's just about you know having healthy community, having good things to do, people to do them with, people that inspire you to be a better version of yourself, people that you can count on. Uh, you know, if something bad goes wrong in your life. Um, so that, that to me is what church does for me. But my, my moment was again, when I was 27, I didn't even know what, what, what it was called. It's called, you know, being baptized in the Holy spirit is the official term. But all I know is God was calling me. I went for one, one day, not thinking about God and really, you know, I would see somebody praying and I would look at them sometimes and I would wonder if anybody was listening, but that was the extent that I thought of God. So I went from one day feeling like that to the next day waking up and being very aware that he was calling me and that he was telling me he had a plan for my life and to trust him and to follow him. And I, and I could, I wasn't my decision. So I understand when people don't believe because how can you force yourself to believe something? You know, it's either you believe it or you don't. So for me, it was like, he flipped the lights on and was like, hello, Hey, I'm here. You know, my stage name was when I was stripping was Christian and it was, it was given to me, but <laughs> we left all these little breadcrumbs on the trail. And when he flicked the lights on, he showed me them all and said, look, I've been here your whole life. Follow me. And that's what I did. But yeah, I don't, I totally get it. I don't relate to religious people. You know, to me, they're, a lot of them are weird, you know what I mean? And, and they're judgmental and they don't, you know, self-righteous and, but they're, I always tell people like, don't, you know, not follow Jesus because of his followers. Cause there's a lot of, you know, crazy ones out there, but there's a lot of good ones too. So. I'd love to mention my nonprofit if you don't mind. So yeah, that oh, was yeah. going to be my next thing. Our next thing is anything you want to plug, anything and anything you want to plug where they can buy your book, yeah. etc. Awesome. Yeah. So you can buy the book at whywaitingworks.com. and uh, I actually have a I have a study guide that goes along with it, an eight week study guide that um, for self reflection, but really for small groups. Um, and I there's videos to go along with each week, and I really did that because so when I when I made the decision to be abstinent. You know, the first time I'm for six years again, I went to church. I didn't relate to those people. So six and a half days a week, my whole strategy strategy was stay out of trouble. 
don't sin, basically stay out of trouble <laughs> and wait for God to send you this girl. And sooner or later, he's going to send you. And then these feelings of loneliness will go away because you'll have a person. Didn't happen. So that's when I started going back to the bars. I started drinking too much, eventually, you know, sleeping around and, and just became pretty much back to back to where I started. So when I rededicated in 2011, I went through the exact same period for the next year where I was like staying at home every night writing Redbox movies because I just was like, I just know I can't go to the bar, you know, and, and honestly, I'm going to church now and that's great, but these people ain't doing anything fun. So I started putting, I was like, I thought to myself, this is a major obstacle for people. If this is what people have to go through, if they're trying to become a better version of themselves, maybe they're trying to quit drinking, whatever they're, maybe they're, maybe they're, you know, coming to God or get off drugs or whatever their thing is. But this is a problem. And if people have to go through what I'm going through, they'll never make it because it's just too hard. So I started or because I was a club promoter. I was like, let me start putting together social events to give myself something to do and look forward to. We call them fun without regrets. Now I was volunteering through my church a lot at the time. I was really starting to like myself again. And I thought, man, I got friends that need to feel this way, but they're not going to come to the church co-drive. So I started organizing service events in my community. And when, and what I found was, is when you get people socializing in healthy settings, and then you give them an opportunity to give back, you know, to volunteer, because a lot of people want to volunteer, they just don't know how to get started, then they start to change. So whatever their issue was, drinking, sex, drugs, whatever, you know, they start to figure it out and become a better version of themselves. So that's really what City Fam is for us. We call it, it's socialize, connect, serve is the motto, but it's really just a matter of, um, you know, trying to fix this problem of uh, isolation, which I really think is at the core of a lot of the problems in this country, especially with like you know, other things. Because when you don't have things to do and people to do it with, you know, you'll you'll do something. You'll do fun with regret if you don't have fun without regret. So that's what City Fam is, and uh, very passionate about it. I really wrote the book honestly because I wanted opportunities to talk about the nonprofit. <laughs> uh, and so, where can everyone find information on that? If they sure they can go to cityfam.com. You know, our, our long term vision is to have chapters everywhere, you know, because I know there's people like me, you know, all either sitting at home, bored out of their mind or going out making bad decisions because they're like, well, what's the alternative? You know, mm -hmm. so we believe city fam is turn people and, and teach them how to do what we started here in Baltimore. Nice. Awesome. I like that. Very cool. Um, so, yeah. Thanks for um, coming on and not being a super weirdo. And <laughs> <laughs> um, hopefully we can have more people like you with different views. Because Brittany actually posted a, a quote that <laughs> is our new motto to live by, uh, which is like, we can't we can't be inclusive without being inclusive. So that was our deciding nice. factor of like having you on because we, I just I feel a lot of cover people all the bases. say they want to be inclusive. And then when <laughs> something presents itself that is just so outside of what they believe, they just, oh, well, not that inclusive. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, while we were nervous, we really did want to do this. And thank you very much for on a Sunday getting with us because I know we had. It was awesome. I yes, love it. Yes. You girls are great. Thanks so much for having me. Thank Thanks. you. <laughs> All right. See ya. Bye. So I want to say one more quick thank you to Rob for coming on here and sharing that uh, view of thoughts, that, that bundle of, what is the words? I don't even know. I'm a little flustered after that. Um, 
it actually turned out, I'm not going to lie, far better than I thought because I really thought that there was going to be some heated debates, mostly from Britney. So she kept her cool. And I, I actually, I actually got, debated in his favor. I actually got more heated than you did, which I did not see coming. I think because I overhyped myself <laughs> for the heated debate that I really, I just, he does explain things practically. He's not coming from, you know, a. He don't sound cray cray. Holier than thou. <laughs> thing which is always my issue um and yeah I, I do think that in this day and age with dating apps and all that and fast sex and fast hookups and whatever there are a lot of things that people could take from the podcast and maybe apply them in their life like he said if someone just waits one more date they could save themselves a whole ton of fuckery so if you are a normal listener of this podcast and you listened all the way through, thank you for taking this journey with us of alternative uh, podcast topics. Uh, I would like to do more like it because... Yeah, we Brittany... do want more like it. Uh, Jackie has been harping on this. She wants <laughs> an old version on the podcast, like a, a 30, a 30, 40. Well, because like you said, we have to include all perspectives. No, I think that would be cool. Not everyone's having sex. So although this is a sex, a podcast about sex. There are, oh, well, we also uh, could be looking for asexual people. Mm-hmm. That would be yes, cool. Also, uh, we did have a friend of mine who is demisexual, which is on the spectrum yeah. of asexuality. But like I would want someone way like hard on the other yeah. end yeah um so so yeah as always you can find all of our social media on the naughtystrawberry.com you can email us at the naughtystrawberry at yahoo.com go ahead and rate and review us listen to us and if you aren't on our ig the naughty strawberry um i will toot my own horn Brittany's killing it because i actually am <laughs> She's not missing any deadlines <laughs> on there <laughs> Um, I'm up 200% on my blog post for the year. I'm about to be 300%. And check us out. We've been on schedule since we started season three. Maybe this is our season. Third time's the charm. Yeah. (laughs) We are. Balls to the wall. Season three. Balls to the wall. Getting our shit together. And we'll catch you next time. (laughs) 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 We're gone.